Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Got to crack open that fresh perrier, ladies and gentlemen. Start the show off. Episode 122, Standing Brothers Show. Jacob here. You already knew that because you heard my voice. I think it's 122. I should probably check that before I start these shows. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's 122. Folks, how you doing? How you doing? How's your life going? How's your week been? I've had a very hectic, busy, busy week. But there's been some good things that have happened this week, and I hope that there's been good things that have been happening in your week as well. Got a lot of things I want to talk to you about. Um, I got a little bit of a teaser update for uh, me personally at the end of the show that I'm going to be talking about, and then I will go into that further details next week whenever I do that. But I'm just going to go ahead and get everybody prepared for the announcement next week because uh, a lot of things are changing for me personally uh, next week. So... <clears throat> so yeah, got a little, got some, uh, some topics I want to go over. Got some things I want to talk to you guys about. And, uh, I got three big things that I want to talk about. Got the, got the talk about the Modelo virus, because you know, this wouldn't be a standing brothers show without a, without a Modelo virus. Um, but you guys can, uh, just strap on in, get yourself a nice perrier, pop yourself some popcorn. Cause we're going to have lots of fun on this episode of the standing brothers show. Um, this episode is being recorded on Friday evening as, as per usual on the Friday episodes. If you want to get the show a day early and you want to listen to the show literally 20 minutes after I press publish, you can do so by becoming a, uh, paid, paid member of the Patreon club and you can join the website there. Five bucks a month gets you early access and it also is the best way to support the show. You can do that there. All the money that you uh, that that is given to us goes directly right back into the show. I don't profit any money off of that. That all just goes right back into the show to make the show better. Helps pay host hosting fees and whatnot. So I'd greatly appreciate that. But as I mentioned, the show is being recorded on a Friday. Yesterday was a national holiday, and that was Veterans Day. <clears throat> now, those of you who listen to the show know that me and Joe are very. Um, isolationist in our um, foreign policy philosophy and we're very um, anti-war especially a lot of the wars that have been waged over the last 50 years so I really wanted to and I know that I'm not the only one that believes this and that, and that has these same sentiments I think that it's growing more and more um, that has seen the, 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 the gross failures of foreign policy over the last especially the last 50-60 years and they're waking up to it, and they're waking up to this uh, to this this great lie that we've been told that all of these wars have been justified: M- Middle East, Gulf, Korea, um, uh, so Vietnam, and, and etc. And I and I wanted to put into words for some people who may struggle with Veterans Day, who who believe these things, and who see. Uh, the incompetency and the the bloodthirstiness of the federal government and the, the military industrial complex and and how does someone approach celebrating Veterans Day and still honoring the men and women who still wanted to go and do the right thing and fight for liberty and to fight for freedom? Uh, so where do they? How do they wrestle with those emotions at the same time? And I, I really try to capture that in a Substack article that I wrote, which is the first one I wrote in a long time, um, that you can read on the, on the Liberty Overdrive Substack that I write. Um, if you're not subscribed to that, what are you doing? Go get subscribed. Go get subscribed to my Liberty Overdrive uh, Substack. Link will be in the description of this podcast. So the article came out yesterday, and I've had some good feedback. I've had some disagreements, and that's perfectly okay. I think that this is a topic that needs to be discussed, and we need to talk about this. Because for so long, you've either been on one side or the other. Um, you've believed that uh, the vets are this, you know, you know, some baby killers, and, and that they're horrible, nasty people. You have some people that do believe that, and then you have the other camp where it's you're not allowed to question any of the actions um, of the government, and every single war is justified, and that... In that that camp, and I think that both camps are are wrong in that regard. And there's there's more nuance um, into this day that 
that is not talked about a lot, and I, I find that unfortunate. I find that I find that we're not we're not this is such a such a subject that I understand it's very very um, uh, I wouldn't say sacred because it's not I don't think it has that implication to it, but it's very um, uh, hallowed in a way in American culture is the veterans. You're not allowed to um, criticize. You're not allowed. You're supposed to show honor and respect. And absolutely, uh, I, I would never ever advise anyone or I've never condoned anybody for for doing that um, it's not how we treat one another in society especially someone who um, was willing to go and do this but at the same time though um, you could look at a Vietnam War veteran who looking retrospect to today knowing that the war he went and fought was probably not justified it, 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 there was no reason for them to go so what do you what do you do with that when it comes to veterans day and i tried to do my best to encapture this and i, I think it really really did and i said that you need to still honor the veterans 100% and i said that because even if what they were going to do. The conflict was was unjustified. The conflict was perpetuated by politicians and the and the, the 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 greed of a political power by politicians and by presidents, which is what most of these wars were. Um, the veteran and the soldier and the men and women still wanted to fight for liberty and believed that they were, even though maybe in in their certain case they may or may not have been. They still were willing to go and die and sacrifice themselves for that cause and for that good. And I think that freedom and liberty is a noble enough cause to to sacrifice oneself for. So in that regard, even though you may feel that Vietnam or Korea, whatever, whatever these conflicts were, even if you felt that they were unjust or there was no reason for them to, for them to go, the fact that they were willing to go, and if they were drafted, that's a, that's, that's a, that's a separate issue, but if they were willing to go, even if they were drafted and they were still willing to go. That's a noble cause. That's something noble, I, w I would say. Even if they had no say into the conflict starting on the fact that most of these wars are started by, or all of these wars are started by governments. Um, the average citizen doesn't want to go to war, doesn't want to kill anybody. It's governments that start these wars. I, I think I did my best to... to Stipulate that. I know that there was um, some people who felt that um, when I brought up World War II had some disagreement with that, and it's completely cool and completely understandable. I have my own opinions on on World War II and the the um, the landscape of the time and the the woulda shoulda coulda on both both arguments, and I think that both arguments are extremely valid on. Does the U.S. get involved? Does the U.S. not get involved? I think there's extremely valid points on both sides. Just because I may disagree with the interventionalist argument of that doesn't make their argument wrong. I think that that's such a such a messy situation all the way around, and you're dealing with forces that we haven't seen in the in the history of the world at that time, and you haven't seen a regime as 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 evil um, up to that point. That it is, I will always hear out the other side, even though I may disagree and I may bring my own argument to that. I think it's completely valid. And if you still hold that argument, I don't think that the article in any way contradicts itself. Even if you believe that, um, that World War II is justified and we went there and that was the right thing to do, you can still have this argument in place. Going through your history, you know, you know that... Um, World War II was a product of World War One, which was a product of um, the U.S. getting involved in, in the, the issues that happened between the different um, monarchs of Europe at the time. And everything plays into itself as one convoluted, horrible story that eventually led to the rise of Hitler's power. Um, in Hans Hermann Hoppe's book, Democracy, the God that Failed, he explains this brilliantly. You can go read the first, I think it's the, the first chapter of the, or the preface of it or something like that. But I, but I hope that the article did that, and I, I really then I know this is a subject that's very touchy for a lot of people, and it's understandable that it is. I wanted to make sure 
that I made myself clear. And if I didn't make myself clear, please let me know. Please leave a comment. Please send me an email. And I'll be happy to clear up anything that I, I was I was vague about or I didn't or I didn't um, explain in great detail. But I think that this this gives people maybe who struggle with with that, maybe who finally um, woke up to uh, the, the great lie that we've been told on all this. And there's many veterans who come back from some of these conflicts and who are like, oh, why were why were we there? And maybe this might give some of them hope. That 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 that's that'd be my my hope. And all this is that this gives them something to say, hey, you know what? I went there. We shouldn't have gone. But I went with the right intentions to, to defend the homeland. Perhaps that might help somebody. And perhaps if, if you're finally waking up to it, this might help you as well. So that was the point of the article. And um, I had a good I had fun writing it. I think it, I think it really did a good job. I know that there was the only issues I really had with it, which is, as I said, perfectly cool was world war two. And it's completely justifiable. And I'll be happy to talk about that with anybody in a very civil debate. I've already done that once before. Um, I actually did that yesterday and it was, it was a good discussion. And I think that, I think that both sides were, were, were heard on that. And I, I, I welcome talking about it because I think if you don't talk about it, then you get deeply rooted into either side and you end up hating one another. Um, it, it, it depends on, doesn't depend on what your relationship is prior. I think it's important to discuss these things. And even if you fall on, e on either camp, you can still look back to what I wrote and you can still find something of value to, to take away from it. And you can still honor the men and women who went and died and still lived. And the whole point of the article was to say that, you know, I don't want to see veterans anymore because wars produce veterans. And, you know, the U.S. track record with, with, with conflict and war the last 60 years has been, you know, we're, we're not exactly batting league, league average on this one. So whenever I see a veteran come back maimed or has has severe PTSD, you, you know, was, was it worth it? Those are the kind of questions that go through my head because when you mean to call a man or a woman to die and be sacrificed, that's a pretty, it's a pretty heavy weight. You know, that's, that's a heavy cost. And the cost better be worth it. And if you really search deep down inside on especially the Middle East, Especially the war in Iraq, Afghanistan, all these conflicts that have gone on. You know, what have we got? What have we got out of these conflicts? I, I, just look at just just look at the withdrawal that Biden did. All that work, all the men and women who came back home and are are, are forever ch negatively changed as a result, and to watch it all be wiped away with a matter of hours. You know, was there was that worth it? Was was that worth the for? Was that worth forever impacting tens of thousands of Americans and millions of of people around the world, including those that you know didn't make it home and the families that have to now live with 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 an empty chair in their in their kitchen as a result to watch it all be gone, all the hard work, all the sacrifice gone. Was it worth it? And then you'd ask yourself, well, why do we have this power for the state to just declare these wars and to just send men and women to go do this? Maybe they shouldn't. Maybe if there wasn't a state, there wouldn't be that. There wouldn't be the conflict. There wouldn't be the, the dead soldiers. There wouldn't be the veterans. And that's what I really tried to hammer home. And I think I did a good job. Please let me know in the comments down below. If you're like, Jacob, I have no idea where this article is. I have never read it. Well, you can pause the podcast now and click the link down below and you can go read the, the article. It's not very long. It's very, it's, it's fairly short, but I think I really jam-packed my thoughts in there. So uh, let me know. Got an I'm trying to do an article a week and then um, at the end of the show, I'm going to talk about more about what I'm doing on my Substack because I'm really trying to... This is where I'm going to be uh, at... Um, it's mainly when it comes to writing. So let me know. Okay. So 
Joe, ch ch changing gears here. So Joe has been following the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, case uh, pretty exclusively. He's watched, I would say, probably ninety percent of all of the, um, well, all of the trial, and that, and you know, he's had the opportunity to. I have not had the opportunity to, but I've gotten bits and pieces from just perusing Twitter and and what Joe has sent me on links and stuff like that. I'm trying to get prepared for, you know, trying to get prepared for the show, and. You know, if you're trying to convict this kid, I think this is a textbook, um, a textbook example of how not to do it. Because the prosecution in this case has been abysmal to the point where the judge, I think, had grounds to acquit this kid and had a, had grounds to do a mistrial based on the prosecution's behavior. Excuse me. You know, they uh, at one point they tried to submit evidence after the judge ruled, and you know. Um, after the judge ruled that they weren't allowed to, they tried to submit evidence anyway, anyway and the judge, uh, sent the jury out and basically just, just, oh, just laid into the prosecutor. Oh man, it was just, you could see the fire coming out of this guy's ears. And a lot of people on Twitter and, uh, on the, the woke media are trying to say, well, well, this, this judge is siding with the defense because he keeps calling it the prosecution. Well, the defense is not entering evidence in after the judge has ruled not to. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if the defense were to do the same thing the prosecution was doing, they would have the same reaction. Maybe, instead of blaming the judge for your mistakes, you just stop messing up. You know, that's always a thought as well. That's always an idea. But it's not looking good for the state in this case. Uh, it's, it's really, really not. I know Joe told me that whenever Kyle took the stand, uh, typically whenever they had witnesses up and they were uh, discussing, um, the, they're giving testimony, the, the jury had out notes and they were taking, taking down thoughts and they were looking engaged, actively listening to the case as like their words were, are going to impact them and they really need to listen to make a decision kyle spoke for about seven hours i want to say on thursday thursday wednesday he spoke for one day i know that and the jury was looking almost like uninterested like it was an un there was a um um reporter in the room who said that they, they just looked like can we wrap this up now that was kind of the, they weren't taking notes, they didn't look engaged. It's almost like, okay, we've, we've heard enough. You, he's not going to say anything that's going to change our minds. Whether that's good or bad for Kyle, I mean, I haven't seen anything prior, uh, anything of, of yet that's going to convict him. I, I really don't. I think that this is, I'd be, look, I'd be shocked. I know I said that same thing with Derek Chauvin, but that was only because I just didn't think they were going to incriminate one of their own. And then my other gut feeling was that they're just gonna make they're gonna give the mob up their their a pound of flesh, and that's what they did. They and and to be to be, to be fair, rightfully so, uh, Derek Chauvin wasn't exactly a good person, so I I, I had no issue with the uh, verdict there. I, just, I was a little shocked that uh, that that they got him on all three. With Kyle, I I don't I think he gets off, man. I really think he does. I really think he does. Uh, that's my thoughts. Look, I'm not an attorney, but I haven't seen anything that convicts him. I know we talked about on Monday that they had the uh, the one living, um, the one lone survivor of the Kenosha hat trick. <laughs> um, he said that Kyle only shot him after he pointed his Glock at his head. So uh, what jurors like, yeah, Kyle definitely shouldn't have fired back because, you know, he, because, you know, uh, this, this, a uh, gross guy, he didn't, um, fire first. So Kyle had no, no, you point a deadly weapon at someone. It's initiated initiation of violence. And Kyle had every right at that point to defend himself. You kick a man in the head during a riot while he's laying on the ground and he shoots you. Sorry. Do you want him to shoot him in the, what, what, what world? Does Kyle not have the right to defend himself when he is laying on the ground being kicked in the head by someone else? Or when he's on the ground and someone slugs a skateboard on his head? Does he not have the right to defend himself at that point? 
And don't give me this bull crap about, oh, well, he, you know, he, he, should, he shouldn't have killed him. He should, he should have just wound him. Well, I'll put you in that situation and make sure you just wound him. Don't, don't go for a fatal artery or a headshot because, you know, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't kill the person that's trying to do, to do um, lethal bodily harm on you. You have to just wound them. You got to play fair, guys. I, I, I don't know how they, I don't know how they get them on anything. And then again, uh, this is such a weird world we live in today where self-defense is going to be thrown out the window. Look, look at the McCloskey's situation. Um, I, I, I just, I just don't know what's going to happen with this, but my feeling is that he does get off and that would be a, a wonderful, wonderful thing for self-defense moving forward. Now I'm going to go into some videos. I'm going to talk about some things deeper about him and about what him taking the stand. And I, I, I I'm going to get passionate. I'm going to get fired up on this one because this is something that woke Twitter um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna call some people out. I'm gonna call some people out on this one, and especially oh my god, I gotta pull it up. Especially um, one of the most popular um, athletes in the world had a had a uh, um, a very bad take, very 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 bad take on this one. So first thing I'm gonna play here is there's a, there's an argument, and this is an argument in particular that I'm really I laughed at whenever I heard. That the prosecution was making to Kyle when he was on the stand, because it's so laughably stupid and so laughably dated that I can't believe I'm having to even discuss this with you right now. Um, I'm gonna read the tweet and then I'll play the video for you real quick. It says the prosecution questions Rittenhouse choosing of a AR-15 because it resembles the type of weapons that are used in first-person shooter games, which gamers. Pretty much shoot everyone who comes at you. I... Okay, I'm going to play this because I'm going to say something I'm going to regret later on. So here we go. You picked it out because it looked cool. I thought it looked cool. I guess it, that's the reason, yes. It resembled the types of weapons that are used in first-person shooter video games, correct? I don't really play first-person shooter video games. I have, but I believe there's a variety of guns, including shotguns, pistols. It there's guns in video games that resemble all guns. Isn't it true when you would hang out at, with Dominic Black, you'd play Call of Duty and other first-person shooter video games? Sometimes. And those are games in which you use weapons like AR-15s to pretty much shoot anybody who comes at you, correct? a video game where two players are playing together I don't really understand the meaning of your question to be honest isn't one of the things people do in these video games try and kill everyone else with your guns yeah the video game it's just a video game it's not real life I'm sorry but what year is it I, I, I'm checking out my computer right now, and it says November 12, 2021. Is this an argument that, like, they would use in 20, like, 2007, 2008? That the violent video game epidemic and, and that's turning all of these, all these kids into, into, into mass shooters, and, and that, that's the argument that we gotta, we gotta ban Grand Theft Auto, we gotta ban Call of Duty because, because we're just gonna, we're creating little, little mini terrorists everywhere that are gonna go shooting people up. I don't know how, how, dude, this prosecutor is making way too much money if this is the kind of argument he's going to be making. So let me tell you, here, here, here's this question broken down. You chose the AR-15 rifle uh, because, it, because it looks like those in a video game, right? And what do you do in these video games? You kill people? Well, I mean, guilty. I mean, that's guilty enough for me. He plays the most popular video game in the world played by hundreds of millions of people every single day. Oh, well, I mean, by he's a, he's a unique qualification right here. He's uniquely guilty right here. Every teenage male has played a first-person shooter game. This is not unique. I, I Look, I had played a first-person shooter game before I was even a teenager. Every teenager man has played a 
first-person shooter game. This is not an argument. This is the same equivalent argument of saying, do you drink water? Well, you know, the Columbine kids drank water, so you must be the same thing. Guilty. It's the same argument. Everybody plays these games. They are not causing mass shootings. They are not inspiring mass shootings. If they were, you would have seen it across the board. Because everybody's doing it. And I can't believe that we are pulling back this archaic argument about violent video games. They, look, the right tried to do this and the left tried to, everyone's tried this argument. And it's never stuck, it's never worked because there's no evidence, there's no studies to show that there's an increased rate of violence and an increased chance of, of committing these sort of acts by playing these video games. Look, I have I I played these games. I played it last night. There's a different I I can't believe I had to explain this between a simulated world where no one is killed and taking that and putting it into the real world. You think that someone who has the 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 background in in weapons the way that Kyle does and the way that he, way that he knows these weapons maybe maybe might know the difference between these two things and oh well because you know the AR15 looks like the weapons used which um I'm going to go on a limb and just say that no I'm I'm going to do it right now I will bet all of my lay savings that there is no AR-15 in any Call of Duty game. You know why? Because the AR-15 is not a military weapon. I know that people like to say, oh, well, he, he brought a military weapon across state lines. Even though the distance he traveled was less than 30 minutes and the AR-15 has never been in used in United States combat ever. You know why? It's not a military weapon. The AR-15 is the civilian version of the M4 rifle. So if you're going to open up your mouth and say something stupid on the internet, please back it up. Because I had to embarrass one of these people the other day on Twitter. And I hate getting involved in Twitter arguments. I'm done with them. I've been through them. I'm done. I don't do them. But this person was so ignorant and so dumb to, to be making such a stupid comment on here that I had to just troll him. Drove across state lines in an assault weapon, military weapon. Find me a vet. Find me a, a modern day veteran that used the AR-15 rifle in combat and come back to me when you have no one. Stupid. I'm tired of this. This is why we need to get rid of social media is because of idiots like this. You saw I, I I saw so many bad takes of this and it it it, it drives me insane because these people vote. These people have, have, have a say into how this country is ran and have a say into how much money is stolen from me and the rights that are taken away from other people. It's these idiots. I, I, I can't even begin to showcase my rage. I wish you could see my face right now if I did this live. Um, the next video I'm going to play is a different note and this is why I really wish I could have done a video version of this because it's kind of hard to just to hear the audio of um Kyle and this is just something else that I'm going to get fired up about right as well um so Kyle was doing his testimony and he was recapping the events that led up to um to him um shooting the first two victim the first two suspects and killing him and then injuring the third and he had what i would describe as a um a ptsd uh, panic attack where you could see that he he was uh, breaking down mentally on, on the witness stand and this is something i was kind of afraid of that him taking the stand him being so young and him having to do something that's so uh violent that it does screw with your head. I don't know how it can't. So I'm going to uh, play this. And it's about a minute and a half long. So if if you don't understand what's going on. I'm going to link it below. So you can go back and watch and see his facial reactions. I'll do my best to describe what's going on. But let me go ahead and play this for you. And then uh, I'll discuss in a little second. The car source lot number two was. And did you get 
back? Were you able to go in a northerly direction? I, I wasn't. Describe what happens. I, once I take that step back, I look over my shoulder and Mr. Rosenbaum, Mr. Rosenbaum was now running from my right side um, and I was cornered from in front of me with Mr. Zeminski and there were There were three people right there. It's, it's hard to watch. Hard, hard to watch. Um, if those who are going to watch it and watch it, uh, who's going to watch the video, uh, tough to watch. Uh, it, Kyle's recounting the events of that night and it fully breaks down. And I, I'm, I'm going to try to control my emotions on this one as well. My rage emotions. Because people well, took this, took this clip. The judge had to stop for 10 minutes because Kyle was completely unable to uh, form words. And he, he, he was a, a complete mental wreck at this point. And you had morons like LeBron James who says, what tears? Question mark. I didn't see one. Man, knock it off. That ain't that boy ate some lemon heads before walking into court. That was one bad take I saw. Also, other bad takes saying that he was coached, that he's acting. No person, no man, should ever have to go through what Kyle went through—the taking of a life. I can't even, uh, I can't even imagine the the amount of even if even it was a self-defense situation, you still killed two people. And furthermore, he's a, he's a child. He's 17. The amount of uh, mental damage that does to somebody, you're never going to be able to account for. You're never going to be able to describe. And for someone like LeBron James, who gets carted off of a freaking basketball court after spraining his ankle, crying in tears, is going to sit here and lecture to a 17-year-old who had to take the ultimate chance and the ultimate price in defending his life. Kyle didn't want to kill these people. I can tell you right now that if he could go back in time, he doesn't go and do, he doesn't go to Kenosha. He stays home. Because even if he gets off on this, even if he's acquitted, he'll have to live with the horrors that he had to do in order to live for the rest of his life. And no amount of therapy, no amount of counseling will ever erase that. He will have that image of, of him having to take another human life forever. And some cushy basketball star will never have to ever go through that. You can you can feel however you feel about Kyle Rittenhouse, and that's fine. I, I really don't care about that. But the fact is, is that you it screws you up when you have to go do like do something like this. Veterans come home and have similar reactions. Shane Hazel said this is PTSD textbook. He's a guy that suffers from it too. He's a guy that had to go do unspeakable things in Iraq and in the Middle East. He lost it, knowing what he did, knowing knowing that that even though the the, the people that that didn't come home that night were were scum and despicable, 
still weighs on your on your conscience and on your soul. No one should ever, no child should ever have to go through that. But yet he did. And feel however you feel, whether he was in the right or in the wrong. It still weighs heavy on you. It still affects you on a, on a deep fundamental level. That these, I, I, I saw tweets out there who said, well, if you're going to bring a gun, be prepared for the consequences. Nothing prepares you for taking a life. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know what was he supposed to do. Nothing prepares for you for that moment. So you got to pull the trigger knowing that that bullet can never come back. Knowing that that life can never come back. And that screws you up in, internally. Even if you're, even if the assailant and even if the person is out there to hurt you, not there to harm you, as these two scumbags were, and even the third one was, who were trying to hurt Kyle, it still messes you up. It's still something you have to live with for the rest of his life. He will have that image forever, knowing that he killed somebody. It's not something you just brush off your shoulder and, and just and just walk away from. Yes, PTSD comes and goes. And people are saying, oh, well, he was at this bar and he was perfectly fine. Yeah. PTSD is not a is not a is not a permanent state of of, of mental anguish and grief. It comes and goes. And veterans will tell you this. People who actually have PTSD, real PTSD, will tell you this. He was having to relive and recount the, 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 the night. And the memory started to flood in on him. And it's very easy for a keyboard warrior to sit there and be like, Oh, well, you should have been prepared for this whenever you, whenever you pulled the trigger. Nothing prepares you for this. Nothing can prepare you to take a life. Nothing can. And certainly not freaking LeBron James is ever going to know that. Idiot gets the flu or sprains ankles, sprains the guy's ankle and has to get dragged off, carried off the court in tears. Give me a freaking break. You're going to sit here and lecture to me on this. Give me a freaking break. I can't stand this. I, 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 I hope Kyle the best and... As I said, I tweet my my expression when I tweeted out is I said that he gets off, he still has to deal with this forever. And I, I'm not sure, you know. I I honestly just hope and wish him the best. I, you know, I'm gonna be be honest. I think he was in the right in all this, and he should completely walk free, scot free on all charges. You know, we we can talk about whether he should have been there or not. Fine, we can have that discussion. But what he's being tried for is not whether he was there or not. What he's being tried for is whether he was justified in self-defense, which he was. All evidence points to it. You even had the, 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 lead, the lead bombshell witness that they had. The guy who survived said he only shot him after he pointed a gun at his head. What's he supposed to do in that situation? Kyle did the right thing, neutralized the assailant, neutralized the threat, and got away. It, it, it's a closed case. Kyle should walk free. There should be a decision on Tuesday, and he should walk free completely. And if he doesn't, this is a grave, grave reminder into what is going to happen to self-defense cases in the future. It, it, it honestly is. Because I don't know what else is going to come from this. I don't know what precedent is going to be sent from this if, if, if Kyle Rittenhouse does just not walk free in this situation. If you're walking home late at night, and some guy tries to rob you with a knife or whatever, and you shoot him dead. Well, maybe you should have shot him in the leg. You weren't justified in that shooting. Why were you there late at night? These kind of questions are going to come up. People, you, you need to take very close attention to what's happening in this, in this situation. Because the, the weapons charge argument is not an argument. As Joe has pointed out last episode, go back and listen. The cross state lines, it's not an argument. It's not. I know people like to point to point to this this as an argument as far as he crossed state lines. It's not an argument. Even if it was, he drove half an hour. It's not like it's not like he flew across country. And even if he did fly a fly across country, it's not. It's not an argument. 
That's not what he's being tried for. He's being tried for murder. He's being tried whether or not he acted in self-defense. And every argument points to yes. Every evidence points to yes. Every testimony points to yes. Whether or not he played Call of Duty, whether or not he had an AR-15, it looked like an assault weapon, doesn't matter. It's not an argument. If Kyle Rittenhouse does not walk free on all charges... It is going to be, it's going to set precedent going forward on self-defense cases. And for everybody out there who conceals carry and everyone out there who wants to defend their home, this is, you need to take close attention to what's happening. Because this is going to set precedent. You know, if, if I'm not allowed to defend myself when a guy's kicking me in the face, I'm on the ground, then when am I allowed to defend myself? I'm not allowed to defend myself when someone's hitting me with a lethal object across the head when I'm on the ground. When am I allowed to defend myself? If I'm not allowed to defend myself when some guy's pulling a Glock in my face, when am I allowed to defend myself? It's clear. There should be a, a uh, every, every outlet that I've heard said by Tuesday, we should hear something. Maybe sooner. I, don't, I have no idea. But whenever it does happen, I will we will talk about it. Me and Joe will, and you know if it's positive, we will. Uh, if he gets off, we will, you know, be You know, we'll be celebrating a, a victory for self defense. And if we don't, I'm gonna just reiterate the sentiments I said I said today, because it, it it's very telling on what's gonna happen. I have to get a sip of water. My all that raging is bad for your throat. Mm. All right. Last thing I wanted to mention and talk about was something that I, whenever COVID first started, and whenever I started trying kind of tracking the CDC's data, like back in February, March, whenever we had like you know a hundred confirmed cases, and that was like you know yesterday was eighty, now it's a hundred, so that's a pretty big deal. Um. <laughs> There was this thing that I was tracking pretty heavily, and that was the community um, transmission map, and that showcased that showcased different states um, and different counties that were you know show, that were showing high higher or low transmission rates. Whether there would be community spread, community spread is just pretty widespread. That you know it's just everyone's giving it to everyone. It's not like uh, it's not a, a defined location or setting. It's pretty widespread, and I think that. Washington was Washington state was like the first state that was hit really really bad. So that one went to pretty much, you know, high um community spread and then everyone else was pretty low. And then once it got widespread, everyone went to red. <laughs> that's how it was for a very long time. Every, everyone hit to everyone went to red. And that's how it's been for a very very long time. Until I saw something, I think it was either Tom Woods or Alex Berenson Substack sent me something and it was very interesting because the for the longest time the community transmission map has been red all along so i stopped checking it cuz like you know it, nothing's changed it's all red it's all widespread they sent me this email i can't remember who it's from i i i, I would love to get i'd love to give credit but i can't remember it's one of the two so you can go check those two out well it's fallen the community spread and transmission has fallen in a couple states so when you think about that, hey, the spread of the coronavirus and COVID-19 has fallen in some states. Surely, if we're told that these preventative measures work and that the, that the medical procedure helps prevent the spread of this thing, as, as we were told originally, and that the, um, the papers please policy of showing whether or not you've had a negative test to go to a concert or go to a sporting event, or you have to wear a mask, in some counties, uh, doesn't matter whether your vaccination status or not. Surely those states would be the ones that are falling, right? What if I were to tell you that the states that are basically in moderate to low are Florida, Georgia, parts of Mississippi, parts of Louisiana, and about half of Texas? But wait, how can that be? How can Florida and Georgia? Which are, you know, apparently there's no one left. You know, I'm the lone survivor of uh, COVID-19 in the state of Georgia. It's just me out here. Um, I, I have immunity, I guess. Everyone else is dead in the state of Georgia. 
Uh, there's no one left in Florida. Florida's gone. Everyone's dead in Florida from this thing. So it's very lonely here in Georgia. If you're out there, uh, so please send food. Please send me love. I'm very lonely. But there's no one left. Everyone, everyone's dead in these states. As, as we were told. We were told that no one was going to survive. We were told that if, if we don't have these measures, it'll get out of control. Well, then how is it that the entire state of Florida is basically in a moderate state of transmission spread, whereas like one county in California has the same level? How is this possible? How is New York still all red? I'm guessing that everybody in these states suddenly started wearing masks and uh, socially distancing and staying at home and sheltering in place and everywhere else just didn't. Is that the is that the argument? Or or let me just let me just throw this out there. Maybe those preventative measures did jack silly squat. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe the great lie of sheltering in place and of wearing masks and the vaccine, maybe, maybe, maybe all that wasn't true. Because if it was true, these results would be impossible. They wouldn't. It would never happen. Florida, Florida, and Georgia should never, ever be lower than a state that there's like that that has that has these preventative measures in place. It should never happen. It's impossible. It defies the narrative. Right now, in these states, you can do basically whatever the heck you want. Jab or no jab, doesn't matter. And it's not like the whole, the whole country's coming down. The whole country's red. Besides a few pockets of like 30 counties across the whole country. The southeast is going yellow quickly. The transmission rate is dropping quickly. How can you explain this? I I can't. But I'm telling you right now, the narrative that you're being told is further. If you needed any more proof that this is a lie, here you go. I'm linking it in the description of this video so you can you can be like, oh, Jacob made this up. No, I'll put the CDC's website and if. Facebook takes it down or whoever takes this down, fine. I'll, I'll be happy to f fight you on this when it comes to CDC data. This is a trusted source. I'm going to let a link this. Please let me know. If, if, you're, if you're like, Jacob, you're a moron, you're an idiot, wear a mask. Okay, fine. Explain this to me. Explain this to me. Go right ahead. And don't say, oh, well, it's warmer in these climates, so there people are out more. California is not warm right now. Nevada is not warm right now. Give me a break. Cut the BS. Explain this to me. Please do. I'm all ears. I'm all ears. Because <laughs> I'm at a loss of words here. I, I really am. These results are impossible if the narrative is true. So therefore, the narrative is false. Masks never worked. They, ne they never did. Social distancing never worked. Look, I'm going to steal a Michael Malice quote here. I'll credit him though. If social distancing worked, why did we stop? And if it didn't work, why did we ever do it? These are the questions that no one asks. But I'm going to ask them. If masks worked, why are we still wearing them? And if they never worked, why did we wear them in the first place? No one's asking questions like this. And that's why we're in the state we're in. So please link this to all your Facebook friends. I'll be happy. Hey, share the podcast to one of your Facebook friends who thinks that, you know, if we all just stood indoors forever and never came out, we'd all be fine. If only you, if only you selfish idiots wore a mask, we could all be past this. Please be happy to, but be happy to have them on the show. Not have them on the show, but happy to have a civil conversation with them. Explain this. This is, this is your data. This is this this is your beloved um, wealth of, of of COVID knowledge. I'm only allowed to talk from the CDC when it comes to comes to issues of 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 the great virus. So here you go, have at it. And that's all the COVID talk I got for you guys today. Okay, wrapping up the show. It has been a very heavy show. I tried to find a white pill for you guys. Because um, I'm trying to do that on the Friday episodes. I'm trying to find something positive and something great. Well, I ran out of time. 
couldn't really find anything yet, but I'm going to talk about something that is a white pill, two white pills in my life personally. So I've gotten back into reading. I have fallen out of it. I got very bad. I'm sorry. But recently picked my, my, my Kindle back up, which by the way, hey, if you don't have a Kindle out there, they're great. And not only are they great because, like, you know, you can read books anywhere and you can have thousands of books on this thing. I I didn't open my Kindle for, I'm not joking you, six months and the thing still had, like, 20% battery left. It's pretty dang impressive. I read an entire book on this on, like, 5% battery. You can literally charge it for a month and read an entire month. It's amazing. They're awesome. But I read an auto, or not autobiography. I read a biography about Samuel Adams, who... As I've said before, my favorite uh, founding father, I think, you know, even before reading this book, I knew that he was the most pivotal person in the revolution. And after this book, it showcases and um, cements that uh, greatly. He was the first person to really come out publicly against the Sugar Act, against all the other um, quartering acts and the different um, actions of the crown and said, hey, this is not right. If they can tax this and they can tax everything, so we need to... Um, we need to stop this. We need to have some resistance. We need to have boycotts. We need to have under um, markets like um, gray markets and black markets that um, undercut the crown and undercut their monopoly on a lot of things. And that's awesome. Found of the Sons of Liberty. I have a Sons of Liberty patch on my backpack that I always carry everywhere just to, just for his memory and, and mind and the memory that hopefully one day we can have the same uh, stomach and the same guts that that our um, ancestors had not ancestors but our but those that came before us had and they were not afraid to stand up to the crown and basically say yeah no we're not yet yeah, nah <laughs> that's the what's the 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 the, the meme it's like um it's the uh, the greatest quote by George Washington is whenever uh, King George said hand over your guns and George Washington said nah <laughs> But it was a good book. Uh, it's called uh, "The Samuel Adams, the, the Fa Father of the American Revolution. It's really, really good. If you love American history, especially revolutionary history, it's, it's a biography about his life a little bit, but it's more of telling the revolutionary story through the actions and, and focusing specifically on him. And when you, and when you focus specifically on Samuel Adams, he was involved in every major action of the revolution he organized the boston tea party as i said he formed the sons of liberty it's not that's not a small feat uh boston massacre he was involved in that the first shots of the of the revolutionary war were as a result of british soldiers being sent for his arrest so he's been involved all the way through in the fact that he didn't care about his legacy. He cared about, he, he knew that the revolution was more than one man. He didn't care. You, you know, he held a governor of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts for, for a while, his hometown in Boston. But he wasn't, he wasn't prideful about his legacy. He wasn't concerned about it. He was just more concerned about freedom and liberty and maintaining that for future generations, which is something that I think is admirable. Uh, and even though I may disagree with him on, uh, his support of the Constitution in the end and the support of some of his actions. What, what he did and sparking the seeds for the revolution was admirable in, in all regards. And I think that most most people, if, if they knew more about him, then th th they would follow in sentiment with me that or follow in the same uh, mindset as me that he's the greatest founding father we've ever had. Uh, I would say greater than Jefferson, greater than all of them, because he was the one that started it all. He was the one that did it. So that's awesome. That's the book I read. I'm reading a book now by, uh, I'm going to butcher her name, Yongming Park. Those of you who don't know, she is probably one of the most famous uh, escapees out of North Korea. And I just finished reading Dear, Dear Reader by Michael Malz, which is absolutely brilliant if you have not read dear reader please go out there and read dear reader it's all about um the kim jong-il and the north korean regime and it goes into it's kind of a funny book there's some humor in it but it's really good and then she is telling her um accounts of what went on in north korea and how she escaped and 
it's it's a sobering uh, fact to see the sheer depravity and the sheer uh, horrors that someone had to go through and how someone has to live with the rest of their life and how they're now a spokesperson of liberty and freedom uh, who has a unique perspective in that regard where they can look at some of the policies and some of the actions of the United States government, for instance, and they can say, hey, you know, in North Korea they did something very similar. Probably shouldn't do that. So I think that's really good and really cool. You can also listen to her. She was on with Michael Malice on You're Welcome back in February. So if you want to kind of get a taste of her story uh, without reading the full book, you can do that. But I still recommend getting the book. I'm about 20% in or so on the progress of my Kindle, and I'm really enjoying it so far. It's good. Okay. Um, those of you who aren't subscribed to my Substack, you really need to get subscribed because here's why. So next week, I am completely... Uh, getting off of social media. And when I mean getting off of it, I mean I'm not going to be on social media uh, on the regular. So those of you who listen to this podcast who are close friends of mine, you probably already know about this. If if you're, um, if you don't, uh, I, I was going to make an announcement next week, but I'm kind of getting people prepared for it more. So my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram, my Snapchat, all of those are going to still exist but I'm not going to be active on them. The apps will not be on my phone. I'm going to block the emails that come from them, except for very important ones. Uh, and I have an article coming out explaining why. That'll be out next Thursday, so check out the Substack for that. I'm moving everything to Substack now, so if you want to read my thoughts and my writings that you would normally see on Twitter or whatever, you're going to you're gonna go to my Substack, and I'm, sort of, I'm writing exclusively there couple of reasons everything that's going to be in the article coming up on my Substack next week um, it will explain one half of it the other half of it is i know on Substack i can say whatever i want without getting banned uh the, especially with the kyle rittenhouse issue that's the one thing that's gotten me in most troubles is talking about the kyle rittenhouse case and i just i'm tired of having to tiptoe around in my, my real thoughts on that on that platform so and also i I go into the addictive quality and to the the sheer, de, de, just depravity of social media in its current state, and I have I have no desire to be a part of that anymore. I love Twitter for gathering research, and that still may be a part of the Standing Brothers show and of the Liberty Overdrive and the Liberty Substa- Liberty Overdrive Substack. But as far as me going on there just to surf Twitter, I'm not going to do that anymore may log on once in a while to just see if Michael Malice had a comment on this or if whoever had a, had a, a good tweet that I wanted to read. Um, then I'll link that into the description because I, I like going there for, for research. It's a good place to find research if you go look in the right places, but uh, the other 99% of it is just complete trash, and Facebook is gone. It's unsalvageable. And Instagram is just people posting pictures of themselves in the mirror, and I, I have no, um, I have no reason to be on that social platform anymore. And so all of that, if you're on my socials and my my my, my private ones, um, I'm gonna post all of my information to contact me. If you want to contact me, that's how you're gonna do it for now on. If this is inconvenient, I'm really sorry. This is just a personal decision that I'm going to make. And I will explain further next week on that show. I'll talk about the article and kind of break it down and talk about what I was trying to say in that regard. But uh, this is a personal decision I'm having to make for myself. I know I'm going to miss But Twitter, especially I'm missing out on a lot of things. That's okay. I'm not, I'm not greatly concerned about it at this point. I can get all of my information somewhere else. So the the positives that come from Twitter are way out are are, are way um, out of balance with the with the with the, with the, with the negatives. Um, there's far more negatives, and Twitter was the only platform I was going to save out of all of them that I'm on. So Substack is going to be the place that you, if you if you're if you're out if if you're, if you're not curious into what I have to write, fine. That's completely cool. If you listen to the show, that's all you want to do. That's completely cool. Uh, but I'm not going to be posting on Twitter anymore. I'm not going to I mean the, the podcast, sorry, the podcast and, and, 
and articles will still be posted to my Twitter and Facebook automatically as they as they go up. That won't change. So if you're on Facebook and you go to my profile and you want to get the latest episode of the Standing Brother Show, cool, go for it. It'll still be there. That that's not gonna stop. I would though like it if you followed the show. That helps me out a lot. That sends it directly to you. But you know, I'm not gonna force you to. That's completely up to you. So that's what's going on. So if you want to know my thoughts, get subscribed. All, the articles all get sent to your to your phone automatically, and then other posts are just going to be um, just posted regularly. And the the Liberty Overdrive Substack is going to be mostly Liberty content that I post on Twitter. But I'm going to post all kinds of stuff on there: sports, music. Uh, it's it, it's going to be my own place, you know, my own blog to kind of put things there. So if you're curious about my about what I'm doing as far as writing and stuff like that, go for it. Uh, but the the addictive uh, narcissistic quality that that's found on other social media sites, I have no desire to be a part of, and I I, I find it just to be a, a repulsive and com- and um, losing much train of thought because I, I just I have it just I I have increasingly been more. Uh, my attitude has been more towards the despising part of social media, and I don't see really any neg- any positives of it. You'll see my full thoughts in the article. But folks, that's been it. That's the Standing Brothers Show, episode one twenty two. Look at that, one hour, one minute. How about that, rather dot? Guys, if you want to catch the show a day early, you can do so by joining the website patreon.com. Get the show twenty four hours early. Subscribe, Liberty Overdrive. You already know about that. Shoot, shoot the show an email. You can do that. The Standing Brothers Show at gmail.com. Send us your thoughts, concerns, questions, all the above. And then you can also get a t shirt. They're pretty cool. I got one. They're really nice. I also got a sticker on my laptop so everyone knows the Standing Brothers Show. And by everyone, I mean no one. <laughs> Hopefully, that's changing. Hopefully, some of you are out there. Show some love. To someone this weekend, show some grace, do something awesome. As I always say, positivity is the way I live my life. It's the way you should live your life too. Guys, you can't control your action. You can't control your circumstances, but you can control your reactions to them. It's how I like to live my life. A little bit of parting wisdom for you guys. See you later. Roger, Clint, Clint, we copy you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot.